Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast. My name is James Evely and I'm the editor of In Publishing. My guest this time is Tabitha Stapley, founder and director of Social Streets, a not-for-profit news and media company serving the East End of London. Social Streets is a digital-first publisher with four hyper-local digital sites serving Roman Road, Bethnal Green, Whitechapel and Poplar. Last week, this digital-first publisher launched a print title for the wider borough of Tower Hamlets called The Slice. Tabitha tells us what it was like being a digital publisher launching a print title. Coming from the digital and really building ourselves up um, made going into print super easy, really. I mean, even down to finding um, our designers who designed the magazine and were amazing. It was just one Instagram story on our on our um, Insta for one of our titles, Roman Road London. And then within an hour, we had, um, you know, lots of offers. About her motivations for setting up Social Streets in 2016. So I really wanted to come up with something that was unifying. I mean, we're not um, at all in the sort of only positive news camp, um, but we, because we're, you know, we want to portray stories, even if they're hard, um, but it will be in a way that raises awareness and increases knowledge of, of different people and, and communities and cultures. And about what she sees as the main challenge facing the hyper-local sector. For the independents to unite, I think, is, is the biggest challenge out there because everyone's working in a little bit of a siloed system. And actually, while that still happens, they're never really going to be a force to be reckoned with to challenge the, the nationals and the regionals, which I think are re- is really important to do because I still think the, even the regionals aren't delivering proper community-led journalism. Before we hear more from Tabitha, a quick word about our valued sponsors. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Air Business, a market leader in distribution and subscription management services for the publishing industry. Its end-to-end service includes subscriber acquisition and marketing strategy, worldwide distribution, digital mail and e-commerce fulfillment, and warehouse and freight logistics. For more information, visit airbusiness.com. Tabitha Stapley, welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And congratulations are in order, I believe, an exciting week. Um, your new title, hot off the press this week, I believe. Yes, very exciting, The Slice. Um, we got our 10,000 copies delivered um, yesterday, so it is very hot off the press. Um, yeah, super exciting. All, all go according to plan? It did, remarkably. <laughs> <laughs> what, were you, what were you most worried about? Oh, um, well, it was a massive learning curve going into print, actually. So, you know, there was, you know, just the lingo we had to get used to, didn't know what a folio was or, you know, colour management as well was a minefield. So I had these visions of um, the copies arriving and all the colour being wrong and things like that. But actually, it just went perfectly. So So what was that moment? What was that moment when you had the copy in your hand? Because it's a very different experience to obviously producing something digitally. Yeah, it is actually. And I must say, it really was um, an emotional moment. It was great because, I mean, I started my life in print. So, you know, the smell of paper still makes me swoon. And walking in onto a sort of magazine floor is just that print editorial floor is is where um, I was formed. So, you know, I've been in digital for absolutely ages, um, but actually creating that print product was which has actually been the result quite a lot of planning I wanted to be digital first and for the print to come when we were ready so it had a lot of patience and planning's gone into it um so it felt really 
very exciting yeah <laughs> fantastic fantastic so can you tell us a bit more about the title what what's special about it who's it aimed at what was yeah. the gap in the market you identified yeah sure well it's the first um it's the first title that's dedicated to tower hamlets um so we haven't even had a, a print magazine dedicated to the borough before um but actually what's different about it is it's part of our borough model so about three years ago i kind of conceived this idea of a borough model for Tower Hamlets, where um, we'd have individual digital um, titles that serve smaller patches within Tower Hamlets, but then there was this overarching print title that would come along um, to represent the whole of the borough. So um, this is our complete set of titles now for, for Tower Hamlets. Uh, and um, why, why print? I, I know we've touched on print already and the excitement of it, but you know, yeah. you've obviously got thriving digital properties. What, what made you decide to launch th- this particular Yeah, product? I mean, print, I mean, there's just, um, uh, we are still digital first, actually, and we're going to stay digital first. I mean, that's actually what was quite different about us going into local journalism um, three or four years ago is that unlike some, we were going to be digital first um, and we were digital only for a while. But print really, you know, it's great. Um, for reaching more people. We just felt that a lot of our advertisers really wanted us to um, reach people across the whole borough. Um, So it was a way of um, being able to supply that platform for advertisers. Um, And also, you know, it's still a way of reaching people who aren't on digital um, and raising awareness of our presence um, into, you know, bits of the community we haven't reached digitally. I also think, you know, the reading experience is very different on print. Um, as a social enterprise, we're here, you know, trying to use journalism to strengthen the community. So a lot of our features are quite thoughtful um, and the print experience is just lends itself to more focused reading. And I think has um, a way of staying in people's minds a bit more. So I'm, I'm very pleased to get our stories out in print as well. And, and when did you, when did, when was the project conceived? When did you first have the idea and what were the challenges you faced bringing the title to market? Well, are you talking about the print? Yeah, the print one. Yeah. We, oh, no, we'll yes. talk about digital in a second, but yeah, the, yeah specifically I mean, the print the was conceived when we started actually, um, three years ago. It was just, you know, as a social enterprise also, you know, I was very keen to keep a lot of um, avenues open and, and to learn as we went along and to develop models that suited, um, you know, feedback from the community, but there was always, a desire to be in print um, and really we kind of it was along the way probably during the pandemic when we were kind of just re-looking at things as well um, that we sort of realized that print would not exist within our neighborhood patches um, but it would exist on on a borough level um, and obviously part of this is because we're trying to sort of develop this model of community-led journalism that's sustainable um, in poorer areas town hamlets has some of the um, most deprived wards in the country. Um, so we have to find a financial model that really suits um, our readers so that we can be sustainable in the long term. So keeping things digital um, is a cost-effective way of being able to deliver content to those neighbourhoods. Um, saving our budget um, for a print magazine, one single print magazine that um, was like an overarching title for all of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been something we've been talking about for a while. Um, and it just seemed like the right moment with lockdown um, ending, hopefully, you know, the end Fingers of Fingers crossed. Yes. Um, yeah. So with a lot of appetite from businesses to, to really um, come out um, fighting and making a splash. So this was a great way of um, timing it to help businesses as well. 
Do you see the potential for other, or do you see a trend perhaps for other digital first or digital only pub- mm. publishers thinking about actually going into print? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the borough model that I'm developing here is one that I'm going to focus on for a while because I just want to improve it um, and really show that it can be a model that can be scaled anywhere else, whether that's another borough in London or it's a county you know, made up of smaller digital titles within a county. Um, so I think it's something um, that, uh, you know, I hope is a bit of, of a model of, of how it could be done, because I think it's a good thing to have print in some way or another in our lives. You know, the, the, we all want to consume content in a different way. So to lose print forever would be a real loss. Um, so, yeah, I do think, you know, I'm really hoping that our learnings, um, which you know, we try and share as widely as possible, will kind of provide encouragement for, for more local print publications. And in terms of, uh, again, we will, we will talk about the, the digital side of things, but, what, you know, launching the print, what, what lessons have you learned along the way from, you know, from the planning stages through to getting copies hot off the press this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the way we did it, which is digital first. And I think, you know, even if you're, you're not really digital, you don't exist digitally like we did. We were very established. Um, I, I still think that, it, you know, I would prepare the ground for creating your audiences and promotional channels um, and spend, you know, a good, as long as possible, um, really developing those online audiences on, on socials um, and, you know, mailing list or whatever, because we had a really receptive audience for this. And it was actually incredibly easy going to print for us. Um, we had existing relationships with partners. Um, people were aware of our brand beforehand. Um, we can share this and promote it on socials really easily and get traction quite quickly. Um, we had existing content. I mean, that's an interesting point as well. Um, we There's only the content in the print is partly consolidating content from our digitals, which is part of the business plan for it. So there wasn't additional cost of creating that content. It has some um, unique content as well, obviously, just to make it market out as a, as a different product. Um, but, you know, so we had that content in place too from our digital. So coming from the digital and really building ourselves up um, made going into print super easy really I mean even down to finding um our designers who designed the magazine and were amazing it was just one Instagram story on our on our um Insta for one of our titles Roman Road London and then within an hour we had um you know lots of offers um so we kind of found all our suppliers like this and our content and and our audience so I think you know if if I were talking to someone who wanted to set this up themselves it you may not you know you may want to launch in print without having had a a long-standing presence um online but I'd really encourage um building that up well ahead um just to, to you know facilitate in all those ways um and I think the rest of it really um learnings i mean we 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 learned the hard way you know in terms of all all the bits that we didn't know about it was just a lot of research and reaching out to people we knew in the industry um i mean i've worked in the industry for a while so we had a few people that i could reach out to and just say wow tell us about print or tell us about color management which is quite a minefield um tell us about you know what insurance you have in place or um so you reach out and get that advice um and you know even our printers actually were were super useful um as well and provided a lot of um 
<laughs> probably very beginner beginner information but uh, it was a um, bit of hand holding <laughs> yeah lots of hand holding yeah so um i think yeah that was about it i mean i think we, we we set a roadmap and we stuck to it. We kind of like knew when we wanted to go into print and we just did this roadmap backwards. We stuck to it pretty strictly. Um, and and I, I'd advise that as well. Yeah. And your and your ambitions for the title? I mean, you've alluded to, you know, experimenting or, or trying to establish a new model and seeing how yep. transferable that is. What where, where do you see it all going? Well, I think my ambitions really are to do what we do, but better. You know, it's like we've we wanted to make this happen. I'm a great believer in just jumping in and making this happen. It's 32 pages. I'd like to get, you know, to increase the pages um, to get more of our content on um, and to get more varied content and to get content that represents even more of our communities and Tower Hamlets. So in that respect, going forward, we'll be really looking at how we now do this better. We kind of launch with a minimum um, viable product. Um, and, you know, always at the forefront for me um, is how to become financially sustainable and to really prove this can be done um, within, you know, using the model that we've used, which is even our advertisers are, are, are for a larger title, you know, so you're looking for bigger advertising income, um, are going to be partners within our community so that it's as much a reflection of the community as possible. Um, so really exploring other ways we can partner, who else we can partner with, and just draw learnings from that to show that it's possible, you know, to to have a print magazine, which, you know, conventionally isn't an advertising vehicle, but to do it in a way that's much more community led, that's unifying the community and not dividing it and, and it's accessible, you know, etc. So I think There'll be lots to explore, and I'm looking forward to doing that. And, and we want to go quarterly um, as soon as we can. We're biannual at the moment, um, but maybe even by issue three, we might be quarterly. So your your company is called Social Streets, and it's a, a not-for-profit media company serving the East End of London. Can you tell us a bit more about your purpose, what you do, and, and yeah. indeed your, your funding model, just so we can understand that? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, we're a CIC, a community interest company, and our charitable objectives are baked into article of associations. Um, and they are to increase participation in the local community. Um, so it was kind of like originally the plight of the high street was one of the things that fed into this. You know, we've got great high street. And it was rather um, down in the dumps um, when I first moved here a long time ago, 20 years ago. Um, and really, for me, the motivation actually was all the big tragedy. I mean, obviously, it was a big tragedy for the small independent businesses that are the backbone of a community. But actually, I kind of realized that there, the 500 businesses there. That's a thing in itself, really important for opportunities um, and to provide sort of the lifeblood of the community. But actually, even more than that, you know, each high street of 500 businesses serves 50,000 people. So the loss of the high street affects 50,000 people and the opportunities they can have um, and the potential to have a, an enriching, strong um, local community around them. So that was, that fed into one of the reasons I set this up. Um, I actually, it was incubated. I got, um, I was lucky enough to got, um, to get a place on a social enterprise incubator at Cambridge Judge, um, University, um, 
which is called Cambridge Social Ventures. Um, so I was there for a year developing this idea of how to use journalism to really strengthen the community while retaining, um, you know, proper professional, high quality journalism. Um, as I felt that was the best way of really getting, you know, keeping media loyalty and everything. So we kind of started developing how we would um, use journalism to strengthen the community. Uh, it's kind of fed into our um, content strategy um, and what we do. And we have a very strong education arm um, to what we do. So we deliver an awful lot of digital training to local um, people, a lot of local businesses, um, social media training, even to market traders um, that just want a little bit of online presence um, to, you know, um, more sophisticated digital marketing training. Um, so we have that aspect of it, but also we have a fully um, educational editorial floor. So everyone that's employed um, at Social Streets on the editorial side is part of a trainee program of some sort. Um, so this can range obviously from internships, but to our leadership program, which runs more like 18 months um, and um, starts with young, you know, really giving young people the opportunity to develop a lot of responsibility quite early on so they come in as an intern and leave um, as a deputy editor of one of the titles um, and the scheme and the limited time period for each of these schemes means that we can really offer this to as many local and young people as possible um, so you know as well as using journalism to strengthen the community we're also this platform for introducing um, local people and young people um, to the media and creative industries um, and which is, you know, for the local people that benefit from this, it, it, you know, it really is an eye-opener. It's a kind of industry that they wouldn't feel they normally have access to. Um, but we also offer this to young people from anywhere um, in the country. And for them, what we're doing is really focusing on on training them in a very socially minded um, model of, of journalism. They're all very socially minded people who apply. Um, and we we really develop quite a bit of community outreach skills with our, our journalists. Um, that's really important for us to be able to create content that reaches into harder to reach parts of the community. So, um, how, do, that, so how, do, how does that work then, the socially, you know, uh, training a journalist with, with this yeah. kind of to be socially minded? So as opposed to, let's say, a more traditional journalist journalism training? Yeah. So what most trainees find um, here is... Um, well, you know, it's it, Tower Hamlets is uh, coming from a fairly um, there's pockets of very low digital access and digital skills. So a lot of the businesses here are tiny as well. Um, there, there are no big chains or corporations. This is the um, a borough of, of micro SMEs and, and market traders and everything. So a journalist isn't going to get press releases in their inbox here at all I mean you know not even one um, so they've really got to find their stories by pounding the pavement um, so you know there's there's finding the stories which is about building really trusting relationships um, with with our community businesses and, and groups uh, um, uh, in the area and you know there are many that just simply aren't online or they, they just they don't even access um, email so a lot of it is actually if we wanted to do something from we have quite strong Somalian community here um, it would be a matter of going to the Somalian women's breakfast club 
you know, a number of times in order to, um, you know, reach the right people, find out if they have a story they want to share. Um, so there are lots of skills in that, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot about um, building those trusting relationships, reaching out in appropriate ways, listening, lots of deep listening, um, and, and being sensitive as to how, what messages they really want to be sharing, you know. Um, so they, it, it's something that the journalists here, when they train, they always find that's the most challenging aspect at the end of it. They'll say, when I ask them how, you know, what was the bit that you learned the most from? And all of them will say is from the community outreach um, uh, and really, you know, um, getting those stories in the first place. Um, so, And, and yeah. when those journalists move on, because presumably they do move on, is, have you got quite a high turnover? And when they move on, do you get feedback as to the benefits they've taken to their, their future employment? I mean, I, yes, I mean, I think um, they, they've all gone on to do, you know, a variety of things. So I think um, recently, actually, one of our um, uh, former journalists has gone on to the big issue. Um, someone else has gone on to The Guardian. A lot have gone on to local um, publications, maybe Archant ones. Um, and I well, actually what's interesting <laughs> is that a lot of those places are looking to recruit people from us. Um, I think they realize that there's a lot of great training that they get here. Um, so I tend to find that um, we're on the we're, we're on their sort of radar in terms of finding really well-trained um, local journalists. Um, and we have a really good um, sort of a, alumni community. You know, everyone that's ever worked here really stays in touch because we're kind of all united with this kind of socially minded approach um, to using journalism in in a positive strengthening way. Um, Yeah. Excellent. And in terms of, uh, you know, what revenue streams, because obviously you you do need money to stay afloat. So how how do you, um, what are your revenue streams? So the individual neighborhood titles, um, they the, the the idea and the aim is that they will be mostly so that means over fifty percent so let's say sixty seventy percent um, getting revenue from reader donations we have a model whereby local readers um, can contribute um, small uh, amounts every month um, two four pounds something like that the most common um, very low access points so that everyone can afford um, to contribute in this way. So um, we're getting there slowly with that. Um, We're building that up for the digital titles. Um, It's really very, you know, for for us to operate, it's a really secure source of income. You just know that there's a predictable amount coming in every month. Um, So that's that's a great benefit for a small social enterprise. Um, We also have um, a business membership, um, which isn't just for businesses, actually, because you know, in these kinds of um, areas, actually, there's a lot of charities and social enterprises, community groups, educational um, institutions. So I count them all. Um, but they contribute just a, a, another small amount every month to be part of the platform. So the platforms we have for each neighborhood, um, we're building a lot of functionality for our members, our partners to be able to um, have their own login to it and publish their own content, um, which obviously helps for our business model because we're generating content that's user generated. um, So saves on our 
operational costs is letting them directly communicate with the the community they're trying to reach um, so they really like that benefit um, and then again that's another layer of income um, from from that side um, but again those monthly donations so that's how the individual neighborhood titles fund themselves and it's really important I think, um, you know, for each title to be independently washing its own face, I think that's all part of proving that there's this model at every level, however big, is financially sustainable. So, uh, And are they each... washing their face at the moment or is they no, kind of working? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. But we are getting there. So they might be, you know, we're aiming for 50%. We might be at 15%. Um, so that's um, that's in the process. But, you know, that's increasing every month. It will there'll be another little percentage increase because it, there's always new um, uh, sign-ups to that. Um, so then um, other, at the moment, um, uh, the print sells itself easily. We, you know, sold, we made, it was easily profitable, the launch edition, and I anticipate that will be. Any profits from that will feed into core costs of the company. Additionally, we run a creative agency side, um, so we provide digital services to businesses. So that cross-subsidizes all the other costs that I need to cover. Um, and then also, lots of, as you can see, lots of um, revenue streams, which is very typical of social enterprises. It's kind of, you know, um, very common that you have to balance out a lot of different revenue streams. So finally, um, we there are grant-funded projects um, that we we um work on um and, and you know independent projects that we we might do within the area so we might team up and be the media partner for an arts community an arts um center um they may have applied for a large grant and have asked us to be um the media partner that will help um you know with community outreach to get volunteers for that project and then to publicize the project when it goes live whether it's an exhibition or whatever um so and that's that's a really interesting area that i want to to look into um even more and in terms of the the not-for-profit angle if you know come one day suddenly everyone started subscribing and you hit all your financial targets and you you did have you know excess money which i suppose you could call profit what would then happen to that money does it get reinvested or how does that how would that work yes so i mean a community interest company um has to abide by um certain laws rules um and um it's asset locked so that means that all profits cannot leave the company they have to be reinvested in more um in the community one way or the other they have to be reinvested to deliver the charitable um, objectives that you have um, declared so they would have to, any profits we make would have to go into projects um, that increase participation in the local community so it could be that you know it, you know this time next year we're bringing in millions and millions of pounds <laughs> and, um, and and then we'd think well how do we use this money it would we would have to look at ways that help achieve those um, charitable objectives. So, yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about it. It's why I was very keen to do it. It stops pe- people flipping businesses um, and selling them because whoever bought this company would also be bound by those charitable objectives if that ever happened in the future. Uh, and Tabitha, you talked earlier about scaling, you know, seeing how the model could scale up yeah. and apply it to other areas. Um, what are your thoughts there? Is this something you would... Um, well, yeah. What are your ambitions in that yeah. area? What, I, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I I really am focusing everything on improving um, 
the model that we're we're demonstrating here in Tower Hamlets. Um, I so I'm not you know something uh, taking it to other boroughs um, would be a, a massive commitment. Um, so I you know I'm not sure if that's going to be my plan. Um, helping other boroughs, advising. Um, I'd be, you know, I'm very keen to share learnings one way or the other. Um, and and I would love um, to help other people set up similar models where they are. I think that would be amazing. Um, and, you know, also I'm involved in, in other projects um, that is, are helping support and develop independent publishers in the country. Um, so there's there's great work being done at Cardiff Uni, I'm sure you're aware of. Um, ICNN, I think the acronym is, always slips my mind. But, um, you know, here we're talking about and developing how independent publishers from around the country um, can come together much more um, in terms of media selling. So to be um, easier for a, a massive global advertiser to come to um, an established group um, of independent publishers and be able to um, place ads through all our our channels. Um, that I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm really think is important. And I that and sounds I, very very exciting. I mean, how, yeah. how far down the road are you with that? Uh, I think it's just meetings. I mean, obviously, this uh, I'm part of a group really that's leading it. They're leading it, um, but I'm I'm very keen on on helping push that forward and being involved in this project. They've we've got some initial um, stats, um, which I'm sorry to say I don't have in front of me, but um, I think they actually calculated that taking into account all the page impressions from the independent publishers across the UK actually places like second or third in terms of the biggest. Um, advertising opportunities so in terms of number of you know it was like i think eight million page views per month or something or um i can't quite remember the figure so don't quote so me you, on that one, so but... you need a so you need an easy mechanism to sell it i suppose is that yes so the development the, the platform that's we're, we're trying to develop is um that is it's exactly is it technology is it um an agency that takes it in and it's it's you know that that's what we're discussing at the moment um there'll be different models probably for print and, and digital the digital could be done via an app or something like that that um and and the selling you know um to independent publishers on print it might be more old school just you know um, a few people that are employed um so it's a department on for us all to benefit from so there's lots of ideas um but yeah that will be something that um i think will help social streets it's but also everyone else that's um really pioneering and pushing forward and and doing their bit to make sure that independent publishing at a community level stays really um vibrant and alive and useful for local people uh, and you mentioned earlier you know you're working to to improve what you do I mean, where are the areas where you see most room for improvement oh um definitely in um continuing to reach all the pockets of the community um so you know in terms of our content strategy it's quite different from other local papers um or publications um you know we're really trying to reflect and be true to the community uh, um just a, as authentically representative 
of the community that we're serving as possible. So that really means a lot of content from even the smallest pockets of the community. And that just takes time. And I'm very, I don't want to rush that because actually I know that um, to do that in a genuine, um, empowering way is something that builds up over time where you build gen- genuine relationships with these communities. Um, so that's what I'm going to have the pleasure and really enjoy doing over time as as we carry on growing. Um, so more stories, more resources, you know, a few more grant funded projects maybe to help us along the way to really reach um, uh, the, the stories and tell the stories that that don't reach other national regional press even um so i think reaching those pockets will will be really the focus of what we do i think that's where we'll get massive reader loyalty um and where we'll start seeing that unifying um benefit which i'm very passionate about so you know when i when i actually one of the first things that i um uh, at the very beginning, when I was thinking about this idea, I was kind of assessing what local media is like. Um, and to me, it fell into two camps. And that was um, a sort of luxury magazine that was very aspirational that people got for their local area um, and were very much, you know, advertising vehicles with lots of display ads of, of all the um, lovely ways you can spend money um and then there was the local papers very conventional um until very recently and and they were very much you know crime reporting court reporting but you know leveraging those emotions human emotions of, of fear and anxiety and other and anger um which and i felt both of those models were very divisive so i really wanted to come up with something that was unifying i mean we're not um, at all in the sort of only positive news camp, um, but we, because we're, you know, we want to portray stories even if they're hard, um, but it will be in a way that raises awareness and increases knowledge of of different people and, and communities and cultures um, within the area and causes as well, you know, really trying to understand why people are passionate one way or the other for low traffic neighbourhoods or whatever, which is a very popular topic at the moment. But um, yeah, so um, that I think... For me, that's um, getting that editorial balance right um, is is going to be um, what we focus on. And then, uh, you know, as we the, the borough model as well has meant that we can do things to us on a slightly larger scale while still retaining the integrity of our smaller digital titles. So on that larger level, um, we can we can do things with more impact um, and. And that's another good reason for having introduced it. So, um, Tabitha, your background is in what, what kind of mainstream media, the Condé Nast, Telegraph, Hearst, yeah. uh, and then obviously you're now working in community initiatives. What, what, yeah. what were the thought, thought processes? What were the, what led you down this path? Yeah. Um, well, I kind of love the idea of journalism. It was, it's really good fit for my skills and interests. So it was kind of a, a great fit in one way. Um, but it's one of those cases where. You know, the first internship I got was at GQ at Condé Nast. Um, and it, it you, you sort of like one job begets another job. Um, so it always ended up being in fashion and beauty, um, which, you know, was really fun. I, I, I had a great time. I've got a lot of very fond memories of that time working on some amazing titles with some amazing people. Um, then I, as the years went on, I guess I, I kind of realized more and more that um, there was there. 
I kind of realized my own interests and community had always been there, but I never felt there was a job around it. I never felt, I didn't know how that could be something that I could work in or um, it didn't all fit into place. And then I got to late thirties and just realized I was, I think I got my job at L actually, which is, you know, one of the best fashion titles out there. And when you work on somewhere like L um, and you, you can't give them, that passion for the topic that they they really deserve that was my wake-up call I just thought well you know I've reached the age where I have all the skills and the confidence and the networks um, to go and do something on my own to find out what this community thing is that I have inside me Um, and so that decided leaving Um, and then actually there was a two or three year period before I set up social streets where I just tried to find out what community is and what it means. I really hadn't a clue. I mean, I just lived this very glamour, glamorous life in Soho for all my, for two decades. Um, and, um, it, you know, it was, I didn't know what the count, what a council was or counsellors or the difference between them. Or um, I didn't really have any experience of charities or understand about how they are funded or about impact measurement, um, all these things. So I actually worked on lots of um, very um, deep dive kind of community projects for a while. And then that was the point where I felt ready to mix my sort of very um, international corporate blue chip company experience with the community um, uh, exposure I'd had in Tower Hamlets to create social streets. Quite a journey. Yeah, it's yeah, been an exciting. amazing journey. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, local journalism is obviously, you know, something you're passionate about and at the heart of what you do. Have you got any examples of, you know, the kind of positive impacts it's had on your communities? Well, interestingly enough, that's something that's, um, you know, I've learned with my experience with um, uh, grant-funded projects and working with um, community development organisations is it's really important to show the impact that you're having. And it was something that I learned to do for those ones. Um, And then again, on the incubator, um, social enterprise incubator that I was in, it was something else that we looked at. I mean, impact measurement is something that's a big topic for social enterprises. And actually, you know, I don't, I'm not, I wasn't aware of too many other media companies like mine that were really doing this um, for the benefit of the community. So there was no examples and there was very little data. And in fact, most data about local journalism or media full stop has been surrounding, you know, it's how it's adapting to new media. Um, The data was more about stuff about advertising um, uh, and things like that. So there wasn't really the research about the social impact of of journalism. So um, last year, we undertook a study, actually, it was just before the um, pandemic. Um, and, uh, but we only got, because of the delays, we only published it last year. But it was um, a report, we did a study um, with 200 of our readers, um, and it was called The Social Impact of Journalism. <laughs> nice and Catchy title. Yes. <laughs> um, and um, we asked, though it was split into a few main categories that I want I mean there were it was like I don't know dozens and dozens of questions but there were four sections and one was on um, how um, the impact it had on people's sense of pride and belonging which is very important for us Um, 
80.5% of readers agreed strongly or really strongly that our content made them feel prouder of their neighborhood. So th that we were very strong on that, um, which is a really important bit for us because it was about part of what we do. You know, when I say a lot to um, our team, um, you know, about the content is we're trying to get people to fall in love with where they live. Um, warts and all, you know, it's kind of like, this is us, but isn't it amazing? Um, and then another area was really raising awareness of different community groups. So this is the unifying aspect um, of community cohesion. Um, and then, you know, that, that was really interesting. 66% of our readers felt that they'd been exposed to a new issue, idea or point of view as a result of reading our content. Um, so again, and that's something I want to work even harder on. Um, and then on, on the local economy, which is actually most helpful in terms of advertising, um, 65 percent of our readers, I think, um, from recollection, um, have been prompted to visit a local shop or restaurant or whatever as a result of our content. You know, the, um, people like Time Out don't reach corners of smaller com communities like this. So it's, it's very important to kind of do that kind of content as well and really encourage people to, to use the local economy around here. Um, so, yeah, that was a, that, you know, that's we're going to be doing this again, actually, in January because it'd been two years since the last one. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see um, how that's changed as well. Um, I hope it will have strengthened. And, and looking ahead, what challenges do you, do you feel you face in trying to achieve your goals? Um, I think, uh, oh, well, actually, you know, we run, I run as a very lean startup. It was very much my model um, not to get investment from any outside um, investors so that we could grow as slowly as was needed to really draw learnings from this and develop a model that's really fits the community and is formed a bit like from the community. So we we work on the smallest of margins. Um, and um, I mean, very safe. I mean, it's, you, you have this, th there was a benefit to that as well. We, you know, we, we, um, because we're very lean, actually, the pandemic was quite easy for us to survive. Um, we had plenty um we didn't have huge outgoings and um, there's always a safe margin of reserves. Um, but what we don't have um, is and what we're really looking to tackle in the next year or two will be the investment into our digital platforms. Because now we've been running those for three or four years, I guess, um, three years. And um, we really know what the platform needs to do functionality wise um and we need that that will be a great place um to really uh build out better um but that kind of investment is is expensive so that will be one of our challenges is is how to fund that one way uh, or and the what other. kind of functionality are you thinking about there well um i think we're going to double down on a lot of user generated content um whether that's on comments or people who are members and can post directly onto the website um that's really key for lots of ways i think i touched on this a little bit before but it's um it helps um with generating content that isn't having to be funded by the the in-house team so it's from the community it's also a really important part of the community feeling that they're in control of the messaging that's going on. And I really want this platform, so each of our platforms for um, Whitechapel, Bethnal Green, and Poplar, and Roman Road, which is Bow and Myland, um, to feel, you know, there's, there's, uh, we, in fact, the, the whole name of them, they're just called Roman Road London, Bethnal Green London, 
Poplar London, Whitechapel London. The name of them is very open. It's not very branded in that way because I want it to be seen as a platform for the whole community that they feel that they they belong to um, wherever they come from without us making a massive stamp on it. Um, So that's the kind of functionality I think will be really important for us delivering our social benefit, but also financially um, to have content that's um, generated from the community and 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 also to to I think it will be how local journalism will need to be to survive in the future. I think this community led model will be really key. You know, that the tech generation has made having a say obviously much easier for people, but they they'll this will only increase um, and software and, and tech stuff will only make it easier for people to tell their stories and that will be an important part of local journalism not just having journalists reporting on the community but having the community sharing their stories and to build a platform that encapsulates incorporates both of those is uh, is what i what i think will be really key and what we're working towards so functionality is one area. I interrupted them. Were you about to list some other challenges? or is it... uh, Well, that's actually, I think, one of our key challenges. I think everything else seems to be, you know, just growing nicely um, and in a way that's meaningful. We've really, we've got some really good ties with City University, um, Goldsmiths, Cardiff, all of whom do really good journalism schools so we're we're tying in with them which means um that educational training side is is growing really well and um so that's something that I'm very comfortable with um yeah so I think really it's that big investment area that will be our um our next challenge and in terms of funding that, that that presumably will be one of the major challenges yeah it will be so funding yes I mean yeah um it will be the the main challenge but um again you know it's the the so i look at that and i just think oh that's a, that's a mountain to climb you know one way is like um you could feel oh that's a big mountain to climb i actually look at it and just think yes this is exciting this is another aspect of what we're doing that's going to force me to look inventively at different options and different partnerships and different ways um, of doing it that's that's really exciting because we've had to do that with every aspect as we go along and and it's always brought you know something that's unique or interesting a new partnership or whatever and that, and that's the the you know the learning that I can leave behind hopefully and if you if you look at the hyper local journalism model across the country because presumably it's up and down the country you you'll find similar initiatives yeah do, do you think people across the board have similar challenges in terms of the way they're trying yeah. to evolve their businesses yeah i mean there are um there are a lot of similar challenges um I th- you, you know it ranges so much um independent local journalism the outfits are very varied which is what's wonderful because each one is learning something different so you can have one man bands which you know are a passion project um that are doing something and have stayed on for you know 10 20 years doing something that really matters for their community to someone like um you know there's a little bit bigger and more online like the link night um you know and they're they're doing something online as well that and um uh, and the, i mean bristol's got a couple of great um community um uh, journalism platforms there's a lot going on there 
social spiders, very similarly named to us, um, but different, um, also social enterprise, uh, doing great work with newspaper stuff. I mean, they're, they're, they're all structured very differently and they're all um, got a slightly different product. So they're, 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 their learnings and their challenges are all really different. Um, I think as more and more go online, there's going to be more and more of a challenge in terms of tech. Um, there have been, you know, if you follow this kind of news, there's been a couple of good um, innovations stateside in America, where it's also a very big um, campaign um, in, to save local journalism. And a couple of solutions that help um, up and coming small publishers who want to open something in their area to provide a sort of all in one tech solution, tech and marketing solution that might reduce the barriers to entry. Um, so that's really interesting. I'm sort of keeping a lookout on the on what they're doing um, and what we can learn from them. Um, so, you know, I think tech will be, you know, a an enabler, but also a little bit of a, of a, of a challenge because there's always a knowledge learning curve and and an investment that you need for it. Um, And then I think print, you know, print is obviously still going to be very, really challenging. Um, So yeah, that's got its own challenges as well. Um, And and being listened to, you know, and and being, um, the, for the independents to unite, I think, is is the biggest challenge out there because everyone's working in a little bit of a siloed system. And actually, while that still happens, they're never really going to be a force to be reckoned with to challenge the, the nationals and the regionals, which I think are, is really important to do because I still think the even the regionals aren't delivering proper community-led journalism. Um, I think they're... They're, they're, they're too big. They're run slightly on different um, principles as a business because they've got global responsibilities or national responsibilities. Um, so I think it's really important to support individual um, independent publishers. So I think that's actually out of all of those, I think the connections that need to be made um, and the, the unifying um, group to be established behind that is is something that would really help. And at the moment, the initiative along those lines is coming from Cardiff. Is that is that the case? Or uh, yeah, the Cardiff is is leading um, on the ad sales side. Um, but you know, there's actually a strong within London. Actually, um, David Floyd from Social Spiders has just launched Bubble Wrap, um, and Bubble Wrap is a London-wide um, collaboration of independent publishers. Um, and, and I think that's a great model. So we're part of that as well. Um, it's a, a weekly newsletter that actually takes stories from all the different independent publishers in London, all the different areas into one thing about London. So a very unique content strategy spin because they're all more community-led stories, but actually delivered on a London-wide basis. Um, and um, so I think that's a really good way of also developing that that network that needs to be built that affiliation that's the word I was looking for an affiliation that's really strong that will generate um, projects and initiatives that together will be strong and powerful enough to attract um, some investment and funding Um, so yeah that's that's another really interesting initiative and Tabitha, looking at the, the the kind of mainstream consumer media market, the the, the world you used to inhabit, um, what are your thoughts on that? How do you see that developing? Obviously, it's had some challenges over the last few years with 
with closures and, you know, in certain cases, declining sales. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think I, the newspapers have done a great job of moving online. You know, they dominate search. Um, so, uh, you know, as digital first content strategy and SEO is really key and very important. It's in all our work. It's in all our um, performance KPIs. Um, and, you know, content out there that's from the papers, does does well but a lot of it is behind paywall though so um there's a slight news gap there um and you know digital presence you know tr- translation into the digital world um and then magazines i think they've really lagged behind i mean i've worked for some of the biggest um publishing companies and and i can see you know just from having worked there they're just quite monolithic um and because they're all different titles they're quite fragmented within there it's quite hard to unify them all um and develop a kind of central strategy for them um so you know i think it's been more challenging and i think that's reflected in the fact that they they don't appear on search so much content doesn't appear so much they could be ranking a lot better for stuff and have more awareness um in on socials with the Gen X, um, Gen Z, I mean, which I think is actually really key to the future of magazines. Um, you know, I have a 17-year-old son and um, he's not heard of any title that I grew up on or that are still publishing, you know. So when he hits the next few years, when he's beginning to spend money, it'll be, you know, very interesting to see where um, where he goes and, and whether these magazines can reach him. Um, I mean, I, I was actually thinking the other day, I was just listening, actually, uh, there was a program just about how countries, you know, globally, countries now are making alliances based much more on values rather than trade and economics. Um, and I think that's something that it just got me thinking with magazines, you know, I would be value based. I think that's that's very important for the next generation is finding a, a value and a, and a cause. You know, so Stylist has been great and has really owns feminism and and um gender um and the guardian's been amazing with uh, owning climate change um so i think you know that will be i think they they they've been really early adopters of going around this value basis um and and i i think uh, if i were running print magazines now as well as you know really cracking the online presence of content it would be to pin the brand around a cause or value um, and to build that out once you have a value you know that value can then be spread across generations more easily as well um, you know like climate change is something that young people and old people um, can be united by yeah so it was just a random thought actually I had recently. Oh, very interesting <laughs> very interesting now um, a question we ask all our guests finally um, Tabitha outside of work um, how do you relax um I well <laughs> I probably I, I relax probably by trying to um, find as much time to be on my own as possible. <laughs> okay. I have a very busy people orientated kind of career, and um, you know by the weekend I'm my head's just like brimming full of new content and ideas and information, and and I'm just you know very compulsively. Um, love new launches and ideas and you know it's it's very stimulating but then it, you just bubble over so I tend to find that all my weekend activities are you know things that let me go into a more contemplative state 
cooking, gardening, walking the dog, I mean, and spending time with the family, you know. So that's what you'll find me doing at the weekend. <laughs> or do some photography, actually. I love photography. Um, I do a lot of the photography for our, our titles, actually, when I can. So you managed to escape work for, for, yes. for the weekend, yes. Well, I do. Sunday is the day off. I, I tend to work on a little bit on Saturdays, yeah. <laughs> Tabitha Stapley, thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing Podcast. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. A final word from our valued podcast sponsor. Air Business is trusted by 4,000 publications and 3 million happy subscribers, with 10 million customer records on file. It processes £500 million each year in 22 currencies and delivers over 300 million items. Find out more at airbusiness.com. Many thanks to Tabitha for being our guest this time. Her deep dive approach into local communities is something I think all publishers can be inspired by. You can find out more about Social Streets on their website, socialstreets.co. Their flagship title, Roman Road London, can be found at romanroadlondon.com. Tabitha is on Twitter, where her handle is at Tabitha Stapley. For more information about us and to listen to previous podcasts, go to our website, inpublishing.co.uk. Thank you for listening and do join me in two weeks' time for another podcast. Bye for now.